Good morning and welcome to Vertical Church. Today we start our new series, Choked. For the next eight weeks, we're going to talk about how the distractions of life choke out God's Word. Here's a message from Pastor Brian. I struggle with misplaced priorities. When I'm at home, I find my mind wandering. When it does, I watch sports or read sports instead of spending time in the Word, praying, or spending time with people. When I do, I am choked. Amen. Yeah. Glad you're here for a brand new series. Isn't it good to get a fresh word from God from time to time? It is. To do something, Him to do something new in our lives. That's part of the reason we do the different series here at Vertical, to come at fresh what God has for us, see what His word contains for us. So we do that today. I know you've come expectant to hear from God. That's been our prayer all week long, is that we, as a group, would hear from the Lord this morning, that each of us would hear what He has to say to us individually. So in our backyard, um, we have this, we have a large area, a lot of trees, and in the back, after a couple of years in, we noticed something growing that had not been there before. And as it grew, we realized, this is bamboo. This is the same stuff that I used to fish with a long time ago. And it began to grow, and I thought, okay, maybe back here in the back, maybe it'll be nice, you know, a little fence barrier, a little greenery back there. Watched it over time, began to grow thicker, wider, deeper, taller, 15 feet, 20 feet. Wow, this is something else. Kind of a nice green wall to the backyard. A nice backdrop. I thought, beneficial. This is nice. I kind of like this. Time passes. We're in the years of trying to raise our kids. The yard's not getting the attention that it once did. And soon there's more bamboo. It's not just grown that way, it's growing this way. It's growing toward our house. Five feet, 10 feet, 20 feet. It's taking over the yard and it is rapidly happening, faster than we can keep up with. And it is taking over an area that was once kind of pretty. I mean, it was some, some nice flowers are growing there, some grass is growing there, some nice shade area under the trees. It's all bamboo at this point. And I look in there and there's nothing else growing on the ground anymore because the bamboo just consumes it. And I'm beginning to get concerned. What I first thought was going to be beneficial has now become a hindrance. What I first thought was going to be helpful, what I thought would be helpful to us, turned out to be something that was a great harm to us. And so we began the process. I talked to Heather and she said, okay, while you're at work, I'll go in the backyard and I'll start, I'll start cutting bamboo. I did suggest getting a panda. She did suggest getting a panda. So we did not do that. Yeah, we did not do that. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> so she went out and started cutting bamboo, and I'd come home, and there would just be loads of it. I mean, we put it out for the trash guys, and that wasn't going so well. 
And then pretty soon we were having to call people, hey, can you come over? And they said, well, I have to bring a big trailer. And they did, and they'd haul off stuff and take off next weekend. We'd cut more. He'd come back with another trailer and haul off more of it. And that happened for weeks. It got crazy. And so I thought, what am I going to do? How am I going to stop this? This is crazy. I started noticing these, these, these roots heading out into the yard. And pretty soon they were popping up in places. I'm like, really? There? And I mean, so I got online. It's what you do these days when you got a problem. You go online to figure out what's going on. You know, try to watch some YouTube videos. Surely someone else has had a bamboo problem. Someone else has figured out how to solve it. So I go online and, and here's what I read. Bamboo was introduced in the United States as an import for ornamental purposes in 1882. I get it. Seems beneficial. I thought it was at first. Bamboo is one of the world's most invasive plants. What? Once established, it is literally next to impossible to control. What? They can grow up 12 inches a day. They can reach 15 feet tall, can, and the roots can travel 20 feet or more from the original clump. And there's no hope. You can't get rid of it. They say the only thing you can do is hope to manage it. You have to be forever vigilant cutting it. They say, now you can. You can go out and dig a two-foot trench, put up a concrete barrier there, and then you'll still have to cut it when it tries to come over the top of it. I thought, well, I'm not doing that. So we are always on bamboo alert now. You got to keep it cut all the time. You got to watch it. If I see a root, I'm cutting that. If I see a shoot, I'm cutting that. We are always on bamboo alert. What I thought was going to be beneficial soon became a burden. What I thought I could manage soon became a damage to me. In our series, we're going to see how there are things that you and I can allow into our lives that we first think we can manage, but they end up becoming what will damage our ability to hear from God. Mm, and that's the last thing any one of us want, right? None of us came here this morning hoping for some more distraction to be put into our heart, to be a block and not help us hear from God anymore. No, the opposite is true. We came here this morning because we want to be able to truly hear from God and have the hindrances removed. Our message today from our choked series is called, Man, it's crowded in here. <laughs> Mark chapter 4 is where you are today. If you have your Bible, turn there. I'm going to bend over here and get mine that I've got right here. Mark chapter 4, if you have your Bible, turn there. We're in the early phases of Jesus' ministry, he is preaching to the crowds. He's finding a group of listeners. And his message by some is loved and by some is beginning to be a little bit uncomfortable and they're not liking it so much. You see, in the day that Jesus is speaking, religion and the worship of God has become an outward trapping. It's become something that's a duty. It's become something that a lot of people like today, we might view as paying taxes like, oh boy, got to pay taxes. It's that time of year. Sadly, a lot of people in Jesus' day, when they thought of worship, they thought, oh boy, it's that worship time of year. It's that worship time of week. You got to do it. What else are you going to do? 
And so worship became that to them. Worship became a duty. Worship became a bother. Worship became something that you just had to do. And if you could find something else to do in place of it, you did. You looked for another way out. You looked for something else to do because there really wasn't a whole lot of joy in it. Mark chapter 4, Jesus comes and he has a message that turns the world upside down. He has a message about what it means to know God. He says that it's not all about the outward trappings. It's all about the heart, Jesus says. I've got something that will actually say you free, that will change the way you think about who God is, change the way you think about life, change the way you see what God has for you. Mark chapter four, it says, and again, he began to teach by the sea, which was a popular place for Jesus. It says, and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. As I've said before, Jesus was a master acoustician. He knew if he could get out in the boat and get out on the water, he could speak and his voice would bounce off of that water and a crowd could hear him. He knew sound system before there were sound systems. Verse 2, and he taught them many things by parables, stories, and he said to them in his teaching. So here is our story today. Jesus says, listen. Everybody, hold up. Listen here. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, let's just be clear up front here. This is not somebody with a needle and thread. All right? This is someone who has a bag of seeds. They are sowing seeds. They are casting seeds that will fall into the soil and grow and produce a harvest. That's the goal of the sower, for his seed to go into the soil, for it to grow, and for a harvest to be produced. A sower went out to sow. Jesus was speaking to a a culture that knew about fishing and agriculture. He's using a story, a metaphor, a picture they understood. And it happened as he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. So this person is out sowing. He's got a field he's sowing into, and some of the seeds are falling into a place he calls the wayside. It's the area where people walked. It's the area where the animals walked. It's the area that had gotten packed down. It's the area that had gotten hardened. And when you feel like you've been walked on a whole lot in life, one of the options you might choose is to harden your heart. And that's what had happened to this soil here. It had gotten hard. It had gotten compressed. It had gotten packed down so that when the sower was sowing and some seeds fell on the hard ground... It says the birds of the air came and devoured it. If you have no place in your life for the seed to go down into, then the birds of the air will take it and snatch it completely away. The enemy himself is likened to a bird sometimes in Scripture in the New Testament here. And what happens in the heart of a person whose heart has gotten hard, the seed will come, it'll fall on the soil, and it won't go anywhere And the enemy will snatch it away and say, you can't believe that. That's not true. Story goes on here. It says, verse 5, some fell on a stony ground. In other words, there's some soil here on the ground, but there's also some stones in it, a lot of stones. It says, where it did not have much earth, there's more stones than earth. There's more rocks than there is soil. It says, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. So the seed springs up because there is some soil there, 
but it doesn't have any depth to it. The seed can't get down and produce a root. It's necessary for a seed to produce the root. Verse 6, but when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. This seed, it fell in the soil. It began the germination process. It sprung up. It went down. But because it couldn't find any depth, what went up was scorched because there was nothing down below the surface. When there's a lot of show, but there's no grow, then you'll end up going slow. How about that? (laughs) You won't get anywhere if you don't have any depth. If all you got is outward display of leaves and the wind comes and the rain comes and the sun comes and you don't have anything down below the surface, you'll find you'll go nowhere. Hmm. Verse 7, and some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. Interesting. This is the third soil. And Jesus said this this person is sowing seed, and some of the seed goes into an area where there's thorns, there's vines, we might say weeds, some things that that were really not supposed to be there because they get in the way. In fact, that's what Jesus says. They grew up and they choked it. They grew to the point that the seed, though it had fallen into good soil where there was some depth, There was a problem with this area. This soil had some other things in it. It had thorns in it. It had some other plants in it. And those plants choked out the seed as it began to grow. It could not produce what it was intended to produce. It says, and it yielded no crop at the end of verse 7. Verse 8, but other seed fell on good ground. And yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So in other words, one seed in, when some of those were growing and producing fruit, it said some of the the produce it came from was 30 times what was planted. Some were 60. Some were 100. If you were a farmer in the day... If you were in the agriculture business, you all of a sudden were very interested. Wait a minute, 30, 60, 100 fold? That would be the kind of result I'd want. So if they hadn't been listening, they were now listening. They understood stony ground. They understood the hardened soil. They understood the thorns and weeds. But this, this sounds like something worth listening to. How do you get that? And then Jesus ends the story. Verse 9, and he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Gets out of the boat, goes back, takes off. Like, drop, this one of those drop the bike moments, you know, and Jesus does, and he just walks away like, boom. I'll be here now all week, you know, that kind of thing. And so later the story goes that the disciples are there, and they're talking with Jesus, and they're like, did you, did you understand that story? Seed, 30, 60, 100, thorns, weeds, rocks, soil, all heart. What is all that? It says in verse 10 that when he was alone, those around him and the 12 asked him about the parable. 
hey, uh, Jesus, that, uh, man, that story today, you know, they didn't want to look too feeble in their understanding. And Jesus talks to them for a little bit. And then Jesus does something that helps them and helps us. He explains the whole parable. He gives the exact implications of what every part of it means. And while it would be fun to chase down every one of these elements, we are going to, for the sake of our message today and this series, zero in on the third soil. So go with me to verse 14. I'm sorry. Verse... uh, yeah, 14. Let's start there. Verse 14. Let's see if we can't break this story down just a little bit because Jesus tells us exactly what every part means. He first of all says in verse 14, the sower sows the word. This is where he starts. He says, this person that's sowing, this person that is casting out the seed here, this person is someone who has the word of God. I picture Jesus kind of talking about himself here, but he's also talking about anybody else who has truth from God, the truth from God, and is sharing it with others. He says the sower, he sows the word. In other words, he compares the word with the seed. The seed that's being sown, he says, is the word that comes from God. This seed that is small now is God's word. This seed that's going to be planted is God's word. This seed that's supposed to go into your heart, it's God's word. And you and I need nothing more in this life greater than we need a word from God. Amen? There's a lot of stuff we chase after. There's a lot of stuff that we pursue. There's a lot of stuff we pour ourselves into, our time, our energy, and our emphasis. But the most precious thing we need is a word from God. Look, Jesus said in one of his most passionate prayers, the night that he would be arrested, he said this, Father, sanctify or set them apart, change them, transform them, Through your truth. And he said, your word is truth. What you and I need is the truth to our hearts. The truth of God's word applied to our hearts. I don't know if there's ever been a day when it isn't more readily available than it is in our day and time. I don't know that the struggle today is the lack of the amount of God's word that is available, but it is the amount of God's word that penetrates our heart. Okay? And when Jesus said, Father, the greatest work that can be done in them is for them to receive your truth. It gives a whole new meaning to this parable. The seed that he's talking about here is valuable seed. It is the word of God. And it is meant to go into the soil of our heart. It's meant to go in and find a place where it comes to rest. It's meant to be cracked open there, to germinate, to sprout up, to go down. It is meant to grow. It is meant to produce a harvest. It's meant to produce fruit. It's meant to come into the very real places of the soil of your heart. And look, if you've been around vertical any amount of time, you know this. We're not here to play church games 
I'm not here to give generic messages about the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and church. I'm here to talk about real life. And so when I talk about truth falling into the soul of our lives, I'm talking about God's Word falling into the very real cracks, crevices, parts of our heart where you live, have lived, have struggled, have failed for His truth to penetrate and go there into that part of your life and bring change. To bring something you haven't had before. To be the soil that receives a seed that you did not have on your own. It had to come from the sower and he put it down in your heart. And it was intended to go there, not for you to resist it, not for you to harden against it, not for you to have so many things in the way that distract it, not to have anything in the way that might choke it, but to receive it and produce in your life fruit some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold, evidence of God's blessing in your life. That's the sower's intention. Amen? So it says the sower, he sows the word. It's the same word that was spoken to Abraham when God told him, Abraham, you're going to be the father of nations. And Abraham had no children. His wife was barren. Abraham was up in years. And he believed God's word, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he did become all that God said he would be. This is what the word does. Jesus himself said, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The New Testament would say all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I need God's word in my life. I need it more than anything else. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. It's the same word of God that Jesus spoke that called Lazarus out of his grave. He speaks to us today, calls us out of our graves. He calls us to places of resurrection. He calls us to new life. He calls us to trust him. He calls us things that we are not so that we might see and believe what he says and walk in the truth of his word is more important than anything else. What's fascinating to me in the story is that the sower is good. The sower is Jesus. His motivations are true. He is holy. He is righteous. His seed is true. It is powerful. It is the living and abiding word of God that is able to change a man's heart. The sower is good. The seed is good. But if the seed falls in soil that's got some things in it, it can prevent what was meant by God, what was designed in the seed to not accomplish what it was sent for because the heart resists it. That puts a lot on us all of a sudden. Because you and I are the soil. Mm. It's where the seed finds its place. Verse 18 and 19, Jesus starts giving the explanation. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns, Jesus said. This third soil. Let me tell you about it, Jesus says. They are the ones who hear the word... And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Let's break this down a little bit at a time here. It says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. We saw that the sower was sowing in different places, out in the good soil, out in the thorn area, out in the rocky area, and out in the hardened soil area. But the thorn area is an area that you probably tried to avoid. 
Nobody wants to go into the thorn bushes. Nobody wants to go over into that area. It's painful over there. There's a lot of hurt over in the thorns. But aren't you glad that the sower comes to sow seed even into the thorns in our life? Into the places that have been painful. Into the places you may not even like to go in your own life. Aren't you glad that the sower comes and he sows seed there? That's what he does. These seed, Jesus says, and this soil, it's got thorns in it. It's covered over with weeds. It's covered over. And yes, it's an area of pain. Yes, it's the area that you avoid. But the sower goes into the area and he sows seed even among the thorns. Aren't you grateful? That wherever you've had hurts and pains and disappointments and rejection, Depression, discouragement, addiction, wherever your pain has been, the sower comes and he sows even into that soil. The next part of the verse, it says, now, they are the ones who hear the word. He says, this, this soil, they're like those who hear it. They receive it. Their problem is not that they don't hear it. They do. They hear it. They receive it. They take it in. They have... A good soil, the seed falls into it. The seed begins to grow. The word finds room and begins to root. It begins to show up. This person is a follower of Jesus Christ. They've come to the place where they've put their faith in him. They're listening to him. They're wanting to follow him. They put themselves into situations where they are hearing God's word, and they are taking it into their life. They hear God's word. But it says next, but the cares of this world are there. And Jesus begins a description of what the thorns are, the weeds, the vines, the, what's causing the problem here. He says there, these, these vines and thorns and weeds, they're, they're causing what was sent by God to be choked, to be cut off, to be reduced from its ability to reach everything it was meant to be. It has power in it. It will accomplish what he sent it for, but you won't get to experience the fullness of it if you're living with these thorns and weeds and vines in your life because you'll choke out its ability. You'll keep it from growing. You see, seed needs some space. It needs some room to grow. When God's word comes into your heart, it needs some room to grow. It needs some space. It needs some concentrated effort. It needs some space in your mind and in your heart and your life. It can't be a, a, a small percentage of your life. It can't be just a piece. It has to become the focus. And Jesus said, these thorns, they're the, they're the cares of this world. They have entered in. They're also in the same soil that the good seed fell in, but they're causing some problems. If you get the cares of this world growing in your soil, then you're going to have some problems because it will choke out what God's intending to do. If your heart's focused on some other things other than him, it'll get choked out. Let's talk about cares of this world. What are those? The cares of this world. There's a lot of things the world wants to push on us. 
that are the opposite of what God has for us. The cares of this world happen whenever you start looking at your stuff that you own more than the treasures you've received. When you get more interested in what is temporal here than what's eternal there. When you become focused on what you can amass for yourself here in your time more than what you can invest there for your time beyond, what you can lay up in treasure in heaven. And Jesus said these cares of the world, they'll do something to you. They'll, they'll, they'll create a distraction. They'll create some side interests. They'll cause them to become consuming to you so that God's word, God's truth, though it's been planted in you, no longer has the room that it needs to grow. Mm. Cares of this world. Where I start caring about stuff I can buy because I like the way it makes me feel. Stuff I can own because it makes me feel like I have a greater sense of identity. The stuff I can pour my time into because it feels better. I can't really get a grasp on all this God stuff, but I can sure understand what it's like to have a new you fill in the blank. And all of a sudden you find yourself, if you're not careful, comparing yourself with what everybody else has got. You start looking at their house and their car. You start looking at their job and their situation. Pretty soon you're trying to compare yourself. You're trying to impress others. You're consumed with what they've got that you don't have. You're consumed with worry about your tomorrow. You become filled with envy. You become filled with jealousy. You become distracted. You become angry at what you don't have. You start pulling away from God. And all of a sudden, the cares of all that's here have choked out what has come from the sower. Because you've let the thorns, the weeds, the vines be a bigger pull than God's truth growing in your heart. The result... Jesus is going to say here as a result of all three of these is that there ends up being no fruit. There's no harvest. There's no 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. You end up with just a little bit of depth with God, but no real blessing in your life. You don't see his presence. You don't see prayers answered. You don't see contentment. You don't see peace. And you find yourself all of a sudden more distracted with work, Friends, your pleasure, and you've gotten so consumed with all that the world has that you have become choked. The cares of this world. But Jesus said there's a, there's a second one here. There's a second thorn, a second weed, a second vine. He calls it the deceitfulness of riches. You see, first you get your, your heart, your passion over there in the cares of this world. Your mind's racing all the time about work, all the time about money, all the time about bills, all the time about stuff, all the time about getting more, all the time about thinking about this, thinking about that. Even your prayers all of a sudden become wrapped up in how to get more from God so you can get more here. It's choking you. Jesus says the second that comes with it is the deceitfulness of riches. It's deceitful. He says riches are tricky. 
They're deceiving. They have this appearance of one thing, but in reality, there's something else. They're kind of like Brussels sprouts wrapped in bacon and cooked on a grill. It looks like one thing, but when you bite into it, it's still a Brussels sprout, right? It promises one thing, but it's something else. It's like that friend who can't ever tell you the truth, and they want to tell you one more story, like, oh boy, here we go again. Promise one thing, tell you something else. It's like that friend that you've got that said they were going to stay home, but you checked Instagram and you found out, I know exactly where they are right now. Hello. It's like that late night infomercial that's on TV. It promises one thing, but you've ordered it before. You've seen what happens when you got it. It wasn't anything like that at all. <laughs> promises one thing. In reality, it's something different. And Jesus says, riches are like that. They're deceiving. They, they give you a line. They got a story. They got a marketing program. And when they put their message out, they promise you all kinds of enjoyment and peace. If you just had some more, then you'd be more happy. If you just had some more, then you could be more content. If you could just earn a little bit more, then you could have what they have. If you could just earn a little bit more, then you'd be at a better place of feeling better about your life. All of that's deceiving. All of that is not true. It'll make you think you got to chase after it. It'll make you think you got to stay up late for it. It'll make you think you got to get up early for it. It'll make you think that you don't have time to spend with God anymore because that's so pressing. It's so demanding. It's so real. It's right in front of you. It'll make you overextend yourself. It'll make you buy stuff you didn't plan on, you didn't need. And all of a sudden you find yourself choked off from being able to hear from God because you've let the deceitfulness of more stuff Choke your heart. It'll make you jealous of other people. It'll make you overwork. It'll make you sit in your chair in anger at what your neighbor has. It'll make you sit in your chair and be filled with depression over what you don't have. It'll make you frustrated with life. Until the day you finally say, wait a minute, riches has been promising me something, and now the mask is off. It hadn't worked. I'm done with you, riches. I'm done with chasing you. I'm done with pursuing you. I'm done with messing up my life because of you. I'm through with it. And you pull off the mask, and you say no more, and then you turn your heart to the Lord, and something fresh happens. And Jesus says, look, the sower has come with good seed. It has a purpose. It has a power to set you free. Don't let the deceitfulness of riches choke it out. Don't let all your passions for stuff choke out the ability to receive what God has for you. But then there's a third one that Jesus points out. And he calls it the desire for other Things. In the King James, it has um, lusts for other things. I think what Jesus is talking about here is when you get to this place and you notice this void in your heart, this sense of I feel bad about my life or I feel bad about where I am or I just I feel discouraged today, I just need something, I just I feel kind of in turmoil. And in that moment, he alone has what we need, 
But it's easy to look at some stuff that's here and think, man, if I could just get that, I'd feel a whole lot better about myself and about my life. And you start lusting after it. You start chasing after what's not yours. You start dreaming about what you don't have and what ought to be yours. And all of a sudden, you have totally lost focus of the true riches and you've substituted with a lust for other things, Jesus says. You lust for stuff, so you chase the dollar. You chase more work. Soon your time is gone. Soon you come home, you have no time for your family, no time for your wife. Even if you did have time, your headspace is so far gone from that that you're not even interested. You blow up quickly, you're angry, you're frustrated all the time because you've allowed some other things to choke out truth in your life. You're chasing stuff. You're chasing the experience, something that would be helpful to soothe your heart. If I could just have this thing, if I could just have this experience, so you lust for it. You lust for it, and it's consuming your heart. If I could just have this experience, maybe, maybe something else would give it to me. Maybe some drugs, maybe some alcohol, maybe a relationship, maybe some more money, whatever it is, you lust after it. And Jesus says, when you allow those things into your heart, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for stuff that was never meant to give you satisfaction. He says, here's what it produces. They all enter into your life and they choke the word, as Jesus describes it. They choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. It can't grow up and produce what it was designed to in your life because you have allowed other things to enter in. It's a funny thing that we do today. I would imagine this would be true for us as believers, followers of Jesus, living in the 21st century in North Ellis County at this time. The fact that you showed up here this morning says that your greatest struggle is not in denying that God is real. It's not in rejecting Jesus. That won't be our struggle because you're here doing the very thing. You're seeking after him. But here's what will be our struggle together. We will think somehow I can seek him and still seek that stuff. That I can do this and I can do that and that I can manage it. I can control it. I know when enough is enough. I'll know when. I'll know when I've worked too much, gone too much, spent too much. And even if I do, I will be able to manage it. I think that's where you and I are going to struggle the most. We're going to let the seed come in, be planted, grow up, start to grow. But in our soil, 
we're going to go ahead and allow a little bit of cares of this world, a little bit of the pursuit of riches, a little bit of the desire for other things. And we pretend, we act like, we even deceive ourselves by saying, I got this. I can do this. But if you say that, you really have to go in the face of some things that Jesus says. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other. He will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't. And if you're saying, I can manage it, then you're having to really just say to God, you don't know what you're talking about. I got this. You're saying, I hear you. I can manage it. I don't need you to tell me about the other six-sevenths of my life. I'm giving you the one-seventh. I don't need you my six-sevenths. I can manage it. And Jesus says, look, I don't care who you are. If you have two, you're going to choose one. If you got 12, you're going to choose one. You cannot serve God and the pursuit of riches. When you do, you end up having the word choked out. You see, Jesus was pretty straight with his conversations. Sometimes you might read the Bible and think of it as this flowery, you know, poetic story, but I'm sure those on the hillside that day were like, um. Yeah. <laughs> like most of us this morning are right now. Yeah. Um. I hear you. I'm feeling some choked. So what do you do? What do you do when you all of a sudden you say, all right, God, uh, you're right. I have, um, I've allowed the cares of this world to come in. Uh, I've allowed the deceitfulness of riches to enter in. I have um, lust for other things. And it has happened, just as you said. Truth is choked out of me. I'm not seeing you in my life. I'm not seeing the blessings you promised. I'm not seeing everything that I even thought it would all be about. And I realize the problem's not you. The problem's me. It's my soil. I want 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold blessing in my life. I want to see peace. I want to see joy. I want to see passion. I want to see life. I want to see relationships. I want to see all of that under your rule, Jesus. Now what do I do? I want to see that kind of blessing in my life. I want there to be growth. I want there to be depth. I want there to be real life. I don't want your word to be choked out in my life. Here's what you have to do. You have to, one, untangle your life. You may have to go home and have a serious moment where you just get alone with yourself and say, God, 
if, it's, if these things have choked me, help me untangle them. It might be that you need to reassess your priorities. You might need to undo some things. You might need to take some vines that you got in your life and somehow find a way to get some out. You've got some things, you've got some relationships, you've got some activities, and man, they're all wrapped up. They're all entangled. It's not always neat and easy. You've got you to figure out where they all started, and you've got to be careful because you don't want to destroy the rest of your life, but you've got to get that stuff out of there. If you don't simplify some things, if you don't untangle some things, if you don't get back to what God has called you to, then you're not going to see 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. You're not going to see God's Word rooted in your heart. All of a sudden, you start seeing insight, and all of a sudden, you start seeing blessing. All of a sudden, you start making an impact in your world. You don't have sleep problems at night anymore. You don't have health issues anymore because you're trusting in Him, walking in Him. He's blessing you, and you're seeing His, you're seeing his blessing in your life. You've got to untangle some things you've got going on in your life. You've got to get these cares of the world out. You've got to start getting these riches and the deceit and chasing them and you might need to sell some things you might need to move some things you might need to get some things out of your life that have just been a distraction to you they take you away from worshiping they take you away from being with other people they take you away from having peace in your heart and there's really only one thing that God had ever wanted all along was his word clean Growing in your life with some space. It has to have some space. The good soil has room. It has time. It has focus. And the good soil says, not on my watch. I've had seed planted in me. It's come from God's own heart. It's his word that is able to change me. It's his word that is able to transform me. It's his word that's able to give me what I don't have on my own. It's his word that gives me the direction I need. It's his word that gives me the hope that I need. It's his word that actually transforms me. If you're not making space for that word because you got so much other stuff going on, cares of this world, chasing after money, chasing after business, chasing after pleasure, worrying about this, comparing yourself to them, stressed about that, jealous about them, you've all of a sudden found yourself choked. And it's time today to untangle our hearts. Amen? Over the next seven weeks, we're going to look specifically at some areas that God says, if you're letting this vine, this thorn, this weed stay, you're going to find yourself choked. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, this morning, I am so grateful that even into the areas that have been Overgrown, packed down, consumed with thorns and vines and things that are distraction, that into that soil 
you still sow seed. And you call us to be a people today who will remove whatever is in the way, who will set aside and unclutter ourselves from greed, jealousy, envy, overworking, worry, fear, trying to keep up with the neighbor, trying to find satisfaction in things, wanting just a little bit more, looking to anything else besides you for the peace that we need, the identity that we need, the purpose that we have, that alone is found in you. We reject all others. We will unclutter our lives from anything else. And we will allow your word to have room to grow. Because the seed planted produces growth 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, and it needs room. So may we make room in our day, make room in our heart, make room in our life for the most important thing that exists, the only thing that will stand through eternity, your word. God, help us to make a room and a place for you there. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. What an incredible message. Where distractions of riches and desires keep us from God's word. We'll see you live next week at 1030.